All right, Exodus chapter 19, now that I got half of you mad and the other half asleep, now we'll preach. <laughs> Exodus chapter 19, verse 1. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God. Now catch that phrase. I'm going to preach about that a little bit. And the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now here's a, a verse you need to have, I got it underlined in my Bible. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And so Moses comes down the mountain. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. The Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people and the Lord. So Moses goes back up the mountain. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people. So he's going back down the mountain. And sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down into the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai, and thou shalt set bounds. Unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves, that ye go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come. We thank you. Lord, help us today as we uh, look into the Word of God. Give us something that we can chew on. Feed our souls. There be any lost, Lord, uh, let them to see uh, that the God that we serve is an awesome God, a reverent God, and Lord, that He is the God of gods. And Lord, let them believe in You this morning. If there be those that are backslid, Lord, I pray that You work with their hearts. Let them see their need, that they need You. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen. So here we are. The children of Israel are exactly where God said that uh, He had told Moses that He wanted them to go. Uh, remember back in Exodus chapter 3 about verse 12, the Lord told Moses, when you come up out of Egypt, you're bringing the nation of Israel right here to Mount Sinai. Uh, the Bible calls it the mountain of God. And then He tells Moses, you will be serving me there. And so the Lord's going to do a mighty work in their lives uh, here at Mount Sinai. And so this is where they had Israel had been redeemed and been delivered from the bondage of Egypt, which is a type of the world. But God did not deliver them just to wander aimlessly 
in the wilderness, or as application to you and I, God did not save you and he did not save me just to wander aimlessly in life and just to graze like a wild goat. Uh, I believe there's a lot of Christians today that are more have a more of a goat tendency than a sheep tendency, and they want to graze uh, in the wild uh, hereafter, you know, just grazing around, and they, they don't want to be brought into the flock. And we'll get to that here in a minute on why, because God puts a high value on Christian sanctification. He always has, He always did, and He always will. And there's this growing movement today that people think God's not concerned about holiness today, or peculiarness, or priesthood today, or sharing the gospel of Christ to this dying and wicked world. But He is, and He does, and the Lord forever will be concerned about holiness in his people and if you don't like holiness and sanctification now and you are born again I got news for you you're going to like it when you get over there because you're just not going to be able to live and act uh, like a heathen God redeemed us from Egypt. That means he pulled us out of the world. That is the very definition of the word church there in the New Testament. Ecclesia uh, means a called out assembly. We're not called to, to blend in and look just like the world. We're called out to be different. I mean, that should be a no-brainer today. Everybody wants to have their own stamped look. What I'm amazed at is how come all these people that's got their own look, how come they all look like like the world and not enough like the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you want to have your own uniqueness. You want to have your own stamp on you. Get in this Bible and see what God wants you to look like. I mean, I'm amazed when I get around people that want to think they're Christians. They got, uh, they got all kinds of stuff going on. I'm like, you don't look like the world. You look like that crew that's demon-possessed that we're seeing rioting up through this country and so on and so forth these last couple of years. That's, that's peculiar, all right, but not as a child of God. And so here we got uh, uh, this uh, uh, Moses as the pastor. And again, this is the part, uh, I guess I'm preaching on pastors again, but it also will apply to teachers and Sunday school teachers, uh, uh, this first point. And then the second point will be the message uh, that is to be preached. So what message God gave Moses? But number one, as a pastor, Moses, and I as a pastor, and preachers and pastors that are watching and listening, which I've learned have been quite a few, uh, they need encouragement too. They need a go-to where they can listen and hear and be edified and encouraged and get some help. I got news for you. You can't help anybody as a pastor or a preacher or a Sunday school teacher until you've been helped. And see, Moses is going up this mountain. He's going to need some help. You have to be ministered to before you can minister as a pastor, 
the Lord has to minister to me before I can minister to you. Uh, if you've ever wondered, uh, why, why is the pastor, uh, why is he like secluded? Or, or why is he just not out and running everywhere? And I, why don't I run into him at Lowe's? Or why don't I run into him here and there? It's because if I'm going to minister to you, I'm going to have to take some time and get alone with God up on the mountaintop and let God minister to me. And any preacher and any teacher, you're going to have to have some time that you set aside where I call it the mountaintop experience. You're going to have to go up unto the Lord. Now I see here in verse 3 that this was a position of humility. You don't have anything to give. I mean, you think about the disciples when the Lord had them passing out the loaves and the fishes there. Uh, when he was feeding the 5,000, it was the Lord that prayed over the bread, broke the bread, and gave it to the disciples. And the disciples gave it to the people. Preachers, pastors, Sunday school teachers, you've got to get alone with the Lord and get some bread. And you're going to run out because you're going to be giving it out. You've got to come back to the Savior weekly, daily, uh, uh, and get some help and to be ministered to by the Lord. But it is a thing that will take humility. Here in verse 3, he says, And Moses went up unto... And you know me, I like words and how they're spelt. And that word unto is different than the word to. Uh, a lot of times, uh, the word unto denotes under. It has that prefix, you in on it. And it speaks of humbleness. Not every time, but the context will define uh, what it means. And in this point, because Christ is above, uh, Moses is under, and Moses is going up to Christ, it speaks of humility, which lines up with the Bible, because God hates pride. And the Bible says this, that God, He'll give grace to the humble. And 1 Peter 5, verse 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Say, I'm just not getting the grace. You've preached that my grace, God's grace is sufficient. Maybe you've got a pride problem. I check up on that because God, if you're full of pride, and I've run into a lot of that in this southern culture, good old-fashioned southern pride. Now, it's one thing to be proud of your heritage. It's one thing to be proud of who you are and where you've come from. But when it comes to, well, like, you can't teach me anything. You can't show me anything. I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. That's a different kind of pride, and that's the kind of pride that God hates because it was found in Satan. But he said he'll give grace to the humble. The man of God, the leaders, the Sunday school teachers, they must have the mountaintop experience so that they can minister. Now you hear me, minister from the overflow. You need to learn how to minister from overflow. 
and I'm speaking to preachers, and I'm speaking to Sunday school teachers, you have to learn and condition yourself to minister from overflow. So often, because of time constraints, and if you notice, yesterday I just disappeared. You say, why? <laughs> because I'm not going to let anything come between my and God's time. That's why. I had to. I had to allow God to fill my cup. But sometimes you get into such a time constraint, and you shouldn't, because it's a mismanagement of time, that you begin to minister from just the, the water that's in the cup. And what's going to happen is you will eventually run out. That's why you need this mountaintop experience with the Lord. Alone time. Your cup, it has to be filled before you can fill others. You have to take more of God in than you give out. You don't want to create a calorie deficit spiritually. <laughs> you knew I was going to work that in there. I hate calorie deficits. <laughs> I do not like calorie deficits, but I assure you, it is the only sure way of losing weight. I don't care what kind of thyroid problems you've got or problems. Uh, everybody's got one of those. Oh, I, I got, got news for you. You're put on an island where there's nothing there but water and some fruit, some nuts some fish, if you can catch them, I promise you, you won't gain weight. I assure you, I hate calorie deficits. But spiritually speaking, you do not want to create a calorie deficit spiritually. It, I believe, is one of the reasons that Sunday school teachers and pastors and leaders, they burn out in ministry because they spiritually starve to death. They're spiritually, they're anorexic. Which really is a mental disorder. And you can have a spiritual disorder. Be careful about those calorie deficits with the Lord. You need to be on the plus side, feasting on the manna from on high. During this mountaintop experience, God will give you something to give the people. And I work on that every week, and I wait on that. And I have to tell you, sometimes <laughs> I really don't think I get anything or get hooked up the way that I feel like I should have. Of course, you know me. I don't like calorie deficits. And the Lord just might give me a little something, and I wanted a whole lot of something. You know me. I like buffets. As the Louisianans say that, buffet. And I, I love buffet. Uh, but uh, sometimes that don't happen. But God will give you something if you spend enough time with Him up there. What He's going to give you is going to be out of the Word of God. And the Lord begins to speak to Moses. And yesterday as I had got alone by myself, and I had... Uh, I had, uh, there's this, uh, I guess on the, the TV, there was a, uh, we have a fireplace that you can see, burning fire, and I like that. It, it takes me to a happy place, and you can hear that thing crackle. I, I'm telling you, I can feel heat off that thing. Uh, I, I'm telling you. <laughs> and I was begin to wonder if the Lord 
And Moses didn't just sit around a campfire up on that mountain. So I kind of shared that with Jen this morning. It's just, well, duh, the burning bush. <laughs> the bush wasn't burnt. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I've been chewing on this since yesterday. <laughs> it's just come out. <laughs> oh, duh, burning bush. You know, like, okay, all right. Yeah, now, now we gotta, we got to be able to prove that there was more than one campfire <laughs> instead of just one burning bush. <laughs> But I wondered about that as I began to meditate on this and pray. And it was more about praying and trying to get right before God uh, spiritually and mentally so that I have something for this morning. But it'll be the perfect word. It'll be a personal word that God will give you. But it'll be a prophetic word and that's what He's given them here. The context here we see is established. Look up. That's what Moses did. He set his affections on things above. And then the Lord gives him this message. He said, I want you to tell the nation of Israel, you've seen what I've done. That is a great place to get context in a message. It's a great place uh, when the Lord tells you, you make sure that you remind the people You've seen what I have done. He puts them in context, part of the message here. I've redeemed you. I've set you free from the bondage of Egypt. I destroyed Pharaoh. But then he says, I bear you on eagle's wings. You say, oh, literally? Figuratively. But this is something about an eagle that I didn't know. It is said that an eagle does not carry her young in her claws like other birds. The young eagles attach themselves to the back of the mother eagle and are protected as they are carried. Any arrow from a hunter must pass through the mother eagle before it could touch the young eagle on her back. I thought that to be interesting. I think the key thing there is the mother eagle carries the young one. And I believe that's what the Lord's talking about here. You need to remind the people of the great work I've done, but how that I've carefully carried them to this point. Say, ah, preacher, I've not had that kind of a week. I feel like I've been beat around pretty good. Well, you better be glad that God was carrying you because it would have been a whole lot worse if He wasn't. God does great and mighty things. Then I see the challenge is issued. He commands them or challenges them to obey the voice of God, the Word of God, and then to keep the covenant. That covenant's a contract. He's making a covenant with them, a contract, just like the Lord made with you and I when you got saved. A lot of people think when they get saved, they're just going to wander aimlessly through life. Like, oh yeah, my duty's done. No, there's been a covenant made. And the Bible says there in Hebrews that there's a new covenant. This is part of an old covenant, but there's that new covenant 
And you could get over there in the first Peter, I believe it is, where he says that we are a royal priesthood. See, Israel failed in their endeavor, and they're in apostasy, they're in blindness in part. Now God's going to work and deal with them again, but he made a new covenant after the cross for you and I. And our challenge is to obey the voice of God and to keep His covenant. And then I see the cause is defined. He wants us, the purpose. What is our purpose? Well, their purpose here was to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And the goal was to bring the world to Christ. The Bible even goes further to say that the oracles of God were given to the nation of Israel. And he's getting ready to give them the law. Which the Bible tells us in Galatians that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. That we might be justified by faith. And so their job was to be a whole kingdom of priests. To share the goodness of God with the Gentiles or the world. They failed in that. And to teach them the law of God. You say, oh, that Ten Commandments is only for the Jews. I beg to differ. It has application. It's, it's God's moral law He's getting ready to give them. Because He mentions about being sanctified. And about being, setting those bounds. See, those are words that people don't like to hear today, but that's the message. When you get a mountain preacher, I almost titled it, and I might title it when I put it on sermons audio, Mountain Preachers. You want a mountain preacher. You want a preacher that's been on the mountaintop with God. But I got news for you. <laughs> He's going to have a mountaintop message, which is going to emphasize holiness and sanctification and righteousness and right living and doing something for God. God has a purpose for your life, just like He has a purpose for their lives. Our problem is we don't like that mountaintop message. And so today, people are scrambling to get the message from the valley, Balaam. The message of positivity. The message of, you need to discover the good in you. Well, that's totally against Scripture. The Bible says there's nothing good in us. There's no good in our flesh. The only thing good about us is Jesus that lives in us. But see, that rubs people the wrong way. That's the mountain message. To sanctify yourselves. To set some boundaries. And he told Moses, you tell them. They need to, he even goes into it, I didn't read it, wash your clothes. Cleanliness is next unto godliness. Why would you not wear your Sunday best when you come to church? To come into the presence of God. And I hope you think that God's presence, I mean, that's what's supposed to happen. I don't think that it happens all, every time. But uh, sometimes it won't happen if we keep preaching through Exodus. We're going to find out that because of sin in the camp, God's not coming down to a mess. And so people say, well, I just need to see a little God. 
I need to experience that quaking and that feeling, then you need to sanctify yourself so God can show up. And then you have that mountain valley journey coming down the mountain as the pastor. And the command is given tell the people to sanctify themselves. Set themselves aside. As I was taught in the word sanctification or to sanctify means set aside for a holy purpose. That's what it means. Set aside for a holy purpose when it's in the Bible context. I believe there's people, Christians today, that will purposely, purposely avoid hearing the mountaintop message. Because they know when they're dealing with God. And the Lord said, he, He's lighted every man who comes into the world. And the Lord said, He's dealt to every man a measure of faith. They, just like you know the ring of truth when you hear it, truth has a particular ring. People don't want to hear the truth. And so they avoid the preaching the teaching from the mountaintop preachers and the mountaintop teachers because they know the first message is going to be you need to sanctify yourself. Get yourself set aside. You want to meet with God? You want God to come and be with you? You want God to work mightily in your life? See, we've, we've, uh, we've milked down salvation. We've watered it down, and we preach today cheap grace. And it's because we know nothing about the God of this Bible. And some of that's the fault of preachers and teachers who are not ministering and preaching from overflow. They're not having mountaintop experiences with the Lord to get a little something from God and from His book. To bring it down to give to the people. And the reason why is it's not a popular message, those mountaintop messages. But they're necessary. And we need them. And that's all that's on my heart this morning. And I understand that. Say, man, preacher. <laughs> I don't know what I can use out of that. Well, you'll ask God to bless that. This is really not all about you. There's a whole other audience that watches, and someone needed that. There's a preacher, a pastor, or a teacher that needs to understand you need to get into a habit of ministering out of overflow and not putting yourself into a spiritual calorie deficit because you will literally starve and burn out of the ministry. Learn how to minister from overflow and the only way to get overflow is to be on the mountain with God you're going to have to spend some time with the Lord spend some time in the book even around a campfire meditating so you got something to give and to help edify others for Christ let us all stand this morning